Dude, this literally happened today. Like I, this is, has to be the top gift. Uh, so there's this saying that I always have, like, I think I do it for all my classes, but I think this one, I say it a lot in particular. I always say, hello, my lovelies, or good morning, my lovelies. And so I have this one kid who would always repeat it, like to everyone, just kind of mocking me in a way, but it was, it was all in good fun. And so he would always be like, oh, Miss H, you're going to be famous one day. You're going to be TikTok famous. I'm like, okay, kid. And so he's like, I'm going to make you your merch. I'm going to make you your merchandise. And so I hadn't seen this kid all week. And then today he comes in and he goes, I didn't want to come to class without giving you this. And he hands me like this wrapped up hoodie and I unwrap it. And it's this like cartoon image of what's supposed to be me. And uh, underneath it, it just says my phrase, like, hello, my lovelies. And so it was like my very own like merch hoodie of Miss Wirache. And I was like, this is so cool. Like I, yeah, well, I mean, I was tearing up, but I wasn't gonna let the kids see me tear up. But uh, yeah, I definitely did get a little sentimental. I was like, dude, this is sick. I was so blown away because I just wasn't expecting it, you know? So it was like something that, uh, I just blew him off a little bit and he just comes in and he gives me this crazy gift. So I, it literally happened today. So I think that that's the best gift I've ever gotten. That's awesome, man. That's a great one. Yeah. What about you, Fire? You got a good uh, gift that a kid has given you? Oh boy. I guess just any sort of, you know, small token. You go, you could tell when, uh, oh, somebody got me a, um, uh, you know how I like to wear my shirts and ties. Uh-huh. And a student got me a nice tie clip. Whoa! One. So okay. I thought that that was a, a a classy, creative gift that uh, someone took note of. Uh, you know, obviously they had a, gr- a great sense of fashion because not only did they get me this wonderful gift, but they appreciated. You know the gift that was my fashion sense in the classroom every day. What what const? I don't even know what constitutes a nice tie clip. What what makes a tie clip nice? Is it really clippy? Is it uh, like emblazoned with an insignia or something? What what makes a that's tie a clip great nice? that's a great that's a great question. Um, you know you don't want it to be like cheap plasticky looking, right? Sure. So you want it to be, um, you know, metallic and and signal the strength of your instruction you know you wanted to you don't want a, a weak <laughs> little little tie clip that's a that's a, a lesson we should teach actually the, the pedagogy of your tie clip what your tie clip says about what kind of teacher you are yeah that could be a good one that could be your new uh like scl bell ringer or something yeah you know? yeah be, uh, instead of uh, yeah instead of putting the dot on how you feel you could just put or circling the emoji you could kind of choose your own tie clip i gave up on dressing up man I was about to say the same thing. I was about to say, I don't know how Fire consistently wears his dress pants and his button-up shirts. You know, props to you, man, because I kind of gave up like a little bit ago. Well, as, I have to. I have me to and Johnson I, I, are wearing matching flannels. Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. It's the teacher uniform, you know. You wear yeah, the shirt you and tie like until you on. give up, and then suddenly a switch flips, and you're coming to work in a flannel. And you know, behind you, there's a flannel as well. Oh, that's the yeah, flannel it's, rack. It's like a medieval right, torture a whole... rack of flannels. Great thing about me is I'm getting away with wearing leggings all the time now, too. I, it's been great. I haven't worn real dress pants in a while. Yeah, I got to wear my leggings to work. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of uh, the best. I got Spanx. Um, I'm trying to think of the best 
teacher gift a kid gave me. Um, oh, it wasn't Spanx. I thought it was. Wait, yeah, what? it was. Uh, it was a pair of yeah, the Spanx, and it said Mr. Johnson on the butt. Um, <laughs> Bedazzled. Yeah, in the, yeah, in uh, sequins. Um, yeah. You know what? I really like the kid art. You know, I get a lot of caricatures of me. Uh, a kid gave me one just the other day. It was a picture of me uh, angrily staring into space, and uh, it said, "I hate my job." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then right right next to it was another one with me looking angrily into a mug. The mug was labeled "Student Tears," and the speech bubble above my head uh, said, "I have no idea what is happening." All right, hello and good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Teach 4X podcast. Uh, I am your host this evening, Scott Farreisen, here, co-founder of Teach 4X, bringing you uh, real-life experiences from teaching in America today. But hey, you could be teaching out there anywhere in the world. But we're bringing you uh, support, we're bringing you resources, we're bringing you professional development here at Teach4X. Every week we like to come together and discuss what's going on in our classrooms, uh, give you a chance to share what's going on in your classrooms. And uh, we all know that we are better teachers and better classroom educators when we're sharing and collaborating. So that is what we are all about here at Teach4X. So. Uh, a couple of partners I can't wait to introduce you to. Uh, our first host, someone who brings an incredible amount of uh, positive energy, somebody I've seen grow from her uh, very early days as a student teacher, uh, now in leadership roles across a major school and a large school district supporting others, uh, a real firecracker. Jessica Wirace. Jessica, what has brought you here today to teach 4X? Oh, fire. Thank you for that lovely introduction. So, uh, hello. I am also another co-founder of Teach 4X. So, uh, what really brought me to Teach 4X has been really these past three years that I've had in teaching and my experience, it's been kind of a crazy whirlwind. And teaching alone is a crazy whirlwind, even without all the stuff that's been happening recently, a pandemic. Uh, we definitely had other things going on with this whole hybrid learning, remote learning in the past uh, couple years. So uh, these years that I've had of experience have definitely made me reflect a lot on teaching and, you know, how it feels to be a teacher, especially new teachers. So Teach4X is like this really cool opportunity where I can kind of share as a newer teacher have gone through these experiences. Um, I can share, you know, knowledge, tips, ideas with other new teachers who are just coming into the profession and uh, are just looking for, you know, general advice or general tips. And I think it's really a cool thing that we can put together all of these different things to help those new teachers, especially even veteran teachers, you know, as teachers were always learning. So it's something that really drew me for teach for x So yeah, that's kind of why I'm here. Yeah, your years of teaching, your experience is really uh, like, I think of you as a quote, young teacher, yet you've been through the most insane teaching experiences one could possibly think of. She's like a 12 year old in the dust bowl, like forced right. to raise yeah. her family. They're, they're like, eating dirt and grasshoppers. 
Yeah, like there's a there's an incredible amount of experience in those couple of years. Yeah, I really had to go through the trenches and uh, (laughs) just come just trying to get out um, and trying to have a normal school year. It hasn't really happened because my first normal school year was cut short. So, yeah, it's been crazy. But uh, hopefully that gives me a little bit more wisdom to share around, even though my teeth probably haven't even come in yet. Absolutely. Well, let's introduce our, he just chimed in. So folks, uh, we have our our third partner of the, the trio here. Uh, our next host, someone who I've had the distinct, distinct pleasure of working with for these past, what, seven years now? I think it's been six, man, but it, it feels like seven at least. It's almost just like pre-pandemic, you know, like, yeah, you started work. You were there before the pandemic. Yeah, that's yeah. All, that's all I really, that's all I know. That was like the before time. That was before the before time. Uh, but yes, Eric Johnson, highly organized, productive, uh, an excellent mind, an excellent uh, tech resource, tech expert here at Teach4X. I lovingly refer to him as the, the steely-eyed missile man because I think Eric Johnson would be perfect in like a NASA control room in the 70s. But a terrific teacher, a terrific department mate, Eric, uh, what has brought you here to teach 4X? Thanks, Fire. You know, uh, honestly, I've always fantasized about doing something like this, but my family, uh, we really, I come from a long line of people with no energy, no business sense, and no drive. Uh, So having uh, you and Jess to, to motivate me to dive into something like this has been, you know, super helpful. I, I never would have done something like this on my own, but I've always wanted to, right? So when when we all started scheming together, I was super stoked. You know, I, I'm really interested in social emotional learning and especially technology in education. You know, I think um, whenever people hear technology and education, they start thinking about like ed tech and like smart boards and stuff like that. And, and I really think about and like to focus on how you can use, you know, personal technology cool apps, uh, cool programs, your personal devices to enhance both your productivity and your sanity as as you're teaching. Well, that's a great point because you do bring two things together. I just realized this. Like you do bring the technology and the social emotional together. And that kind of sums up who you are. Like those are two things you don't necessarily associate with one another. We think of tech as being cold and um, sterile. Yeah. And then the social emotional stuff is, of course, the cutesy stuff. And then you you bring that all together to to make you Eric Johnson. I, I think it uh, behooves us to introduce Scott Fireeyes and the guy you heard uh, first year, sort of talking up um, me and Jess. You know, we've both worked with Fire for the duration of our teaching career. Fire is, a, I, I would say, a great thinker. I would say, with uh, great love and affection, a schemer. He's always got a plan. And he, he really makes things happen, whether it's remodeling our copy room with a new couch that materialized out of nowhere to, you know, managing, I think, a, a really brilliant but sometimes challenging group of colleagues on our U.S. history team. Scott has has definitely really taken on some really great challenges in his time as a teacher at our school and I think really made great waves as, as a leader. Um, and so I, I appreciate the insight I've gleaned from Scott. I think he's done a lot for our department. I don't know, Scott, what, what brings you here? What, why are you motivated to talk to people about this stuff on a podcast and a website? Well, thank you so much for that great intro. What brings me here? Well, what brings uh, all teachers together? That is the, um, the love of the job and helping others learn 
And then at the same time, like the disdain of the job and feeling lost and not really knowing what you're doing. So all of that comes together into Teach 4X. So we know that educators across the country feel this way. And we know that when we come together and, and share these matters and discuss, we feel better. So why not just kind of do that? Um, so then here we are. Uh, so we are, uh, you know, sharing problems of practice, trying to create some sort of solutions or some resources, share something that can support you uh, in your education endeavors. Cool. Yeah, I would say to, you know, listeners out there, you know, think of us as your friends in, in the copy room, uh, just in your earphones instead of, you know, taking up space in front of the copy machine. And so today we wanted to talk about some myths relating to teaching, some myths and misconceptions. You know, I think this goes out to newer teachers, but even older teachers, I think, fall foul of some of these. And, you know, there's a lot of ideas and misconceptions about certain teaching practices. And we wanted to tackle three today. I feel like I fell into like all of the myths that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> In my first year teaching, like I honestly felt like that was what teaching was. Um, one of the things that I felt very strongly about and I feel like I would even get guilty about was teaching all of the content. When I first started teaching, I kind of was overwhelmed because I got world studies and the study of the world is a lot. And uh, we're history teachers. So we are always like having to cover all of these different time periods or these different themes if we are doing thematic units and there's just so much content and as history teachers sometimes we do get carried away with like all the things that we want to talk about with our students and honestly teaching all of the content is not possible it is not feasible to be able to always have to teach content it will drain you. It will make you feel bad about yourself because I did feel pretty bad not covering like every single revolution in unit four. Um, and yeah, it made me feel like I wasn't doing that great of a job. But the reality is that that myth is that you just shouldn't always teach content. It's okay to take breaks and do different things, especially SEL stuff. Like I know everyone is always given that SEL buzzword around, but and reality SEO really works. And sometimes we all just need a break from the content and it's okay if you don't cover everything. I don't know if you guys have had the same sentiments at all, but that's kind of how I feel now. Yeah. You know, one of my first thoughts, uh, Jess, as you talk about that is not only do new teachers or even old teachers sometimes feel like every single day has to be content, but they also feel like this crushing pressure of like an invisible like the invisible hand of pacing feeling like you have to keep up with some pace and like granted you know you have to follow along with whatever your course team or grade level team or expectations of your school but uh on the other side of the coin i think oftentimes people create these invisible or made up deadlines for themselves about what they need to teach when and are like constantly slogging forward when it is perfectly acceptable to take breaks, take a break from content and do something fun. Just enjoy a day with your students and, and that can really pay off in dividends and, and sort of being able to recharge, refresh and, and continue that race. Yeah, sometimes we just need a coloring sheet and call it a day. Honestly, yeah. sometimes I think I need it more than the kids. So yeah. it's definitely something I feel that I don't always have to be doing. 
Yeah. And I think fire, you know, something I'm thinking about too is, you know, when we work together on the US history team, fighting with each other over like how much content got covered and the need to choose certain topics. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I think that's another trap we fall into related to that. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, sorry, I just started having flashbacks. So <laughs> I saw, I, I saw the, the explosions in your mind and you yeah, stare at the ceiling for a moment there, but it's kinda, true. Right. I started to stay and just like, Oh my gosh, but it, it's, um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm taking the positive route. I'm telling myself that it's a good thing that we are passionate about our subject matter and we want to cover these topics in reality. Now here on teach Forex podcast, you're absolutely right. You can't be teaching all that. It doesn't, there are so many other demands with your job. You're, you're putting something, uh, you're putting a stressor on yourself and a demand on yourself that you're never going to live up to. And it's going to make you and the kids miserable. Johnson, what was your uh, your myth that you had here for us? Yeah, this, I, I think this sort of pairs nicely. Um, this is like the, the peanut butter and chocolate of teacher mythology. You know, not only do you not have to use every single day for content, there's also this concept that you need to grade every single assignment you give out. And this was a, a really bad trap I fell into when I was student teaching. You know, in, in grad school, we talked about all these, you know, you know, every class you need uh, an exit slip and a bell ringer and some sort of formative assignment. And it got to the point where I was like giving the kids like three or four graded things a day. And in my new teacher mind, I had this idea that like, if there's no grade, kids won't do it. And that first weekend after student teaching, I, I came home, I had my binder full of stuff to grade and I had like hundreds of pages of stuff because I had given out like three to four things per day that I, in my mind, planned to grade and I spent all weekend grading it and writing individual feedback on everything. And um, I, I almost like quit then and there because I, I, that like wasn't sustainable, right? That That's insane. You don't need to grade everything. And as time has passed, I give students assignments all the time that I don't grade. You know, kids are willing to do work. They will do assignments if they're not graded, surprisingly. Kids will engage with content. Uh, they'll reflect on stuff if it's not graded. You don't necessarily always have to tell them that it's not gonna be graded. You just tell them, put your name on it, I'm collecting it. But yeah, you, you really can get away with not grading everything or um, finding ways to streamline grading by only grading like one question on an assignment or something. I don't know, Jess, when you when you talk, cause you're sort of the newest, did you make those same mistakes? Yes, like I said, like I literally feel like I fell into all of these myths. I did the same thing you did, Johnson. I took so many papers home my first year and I would spend my entire night just grading or lesson planning. And I was just felt so burnt out by the end of it. I was like, this is, this is not fun. This is not great. And honestly, that was about two years ago. And now today I did just what you said. I gave them an assignment. We did it together. We read it together. We had them do the questions. I said, all right, put your name on it. I collected them, and then as soon as the kids left and they were out of sight, I just threw them in the recycling bin yeah. because I'm like, oh, we're not looking at this today because it's not something that I want to grade today. Yep. And I didn't think it was really – the kids got it. They understood. I could see it from their, like, just their answers and just kind of, like, the way they were responding in class, and that was good enough. You know, so sometimes you got to just pick and choose your battles and just pick the assignments that you really believe are – ones that show like 
you know, the grading standards or the skills that you want them to acquire or the really big content things that you want them to do and just go with that and everything else, throw it in recycling. I don't know. How do you feel, Fire? Yeah, absolutely. All those creative grading strategies, whether it be having the kids grade their own or you only grade one question or, you know, you don't even tell them you're not grading it, you're just collecting it. Those are all great ideas. And, um, you know, as teachers, I think it's always important for us to talk in terms of, um, I know the dreaded data word, but to talk in terms of percentages, you know, um, you're always going to have the one or two kids and it doesn't work, or you're always going to have, you know, oh, I told them it wasn't for a grade. And then this one kid went and put his head down and went to sleep. Well, you know, that's one kid out of 20, you know, or one kid out of 25. And so, you know, you had 90% of the kids to do the thing and, and they all did well, then that's, that's great. It doesn't need to be a hundred percent all the time. Yeah. Um, Fire, what, what myth you got for us today? Oh gosh. Well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a big, uh, a big movie fan. And of course, teacher movies almost have like a special category in American film and American cinema, right? Like the, the American teaching movie. So my myth really comes down to that and how many times it's portrayed that like these, these dramatic speeches or these dramatic like encounters in the classroom work. And that is a myth, you know, at best you'll kind of let it rip once on a class and put them in their place and then they'll respond. But realistically, (laughs) you're just going to freak out and go nuts. It'll be a very entertaining thing for the kids. They'll love it. They'll love to see you go nuts. And then, uh, you know, everybody's just going to go on with their day. And the problem is that you then have nowhere else to go. Like what is your next move after the dramatic speech? Like that's kind of the nuclear option. That's kind of the, what are you going to do after that one? So, you know, if you're busting that out in October, oh boy, I hate to see what uh, what March is going to look like. Like, what are you what are you going to be doing that? Are you going to do another one? You're going to have a new you're going to have a new big speech that yeah, you're going to bust out. Two. Like that's not gonna that's not gonna work. So having some sort of a strategy is important. You know, you've got to think of kind of a little bit of a longer term strategy than just telling it like it is in your mind. And us as high school teachers, you know, multiple classes, that's the other thing about like movies, you know, it's always like the one class. It's not like the other four classes that are awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do these movie teachers like, have one prep? Right. right. You have one, that's it. so you have one good class. That's not even that good. Actually, when you think about it, that's really not even that impressive. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever given one of those speeches fire? I can't really see you doing Absolutely. this. Absolutely. You have? Okay. Oh, Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I would pay to see that, man. That would be fun. It's just, it is draining. And, um, you know, the best advice, if you are going to do something like this, I I got this from my cooperating teacher when I was a student teacher. She said that, you know, because I kind of lost it one day in class and she just shook her head. She said, Scott, honey, you can't just let it rip like you got to, if you're going to do that, you got to plan it out. So I want you to go home tonight and I want you to write down all the great one-liners you're going to tell these kids and then storm into class and then let it rip on them. And she was hundred percent right in that it made me feel better 
I didn't stress about it. Like that night I'm at home, like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. It was actually like a fun, you know, and then you do it. And then the kids are like, oh, and you feel great. You know, you're not letting the stress get to a point where you explode. If you're going to do something, you got to, you got to plan, you got to strategize, you know, you got to scheme it up as we, as we're going to be talking about here on Teach 4X. Oh yeah. I hear Jess, uh, I hear you yelling at your kids sometimes that you ever get, I don't know if I'm catching dramatic speeches though. You ever bust one of those out? Oh no, dramatic speeches, no. Cause I did it once my first years during my ninth period class, they were just, just out of control. And I did the whole dramatic speech, like I do all of these things for you guys kind of thing. Like I felt like my mother at one point and I felt like I, I get sentimental and I literally felt the tears coming. And I'm like, oh no, I cannot be doing this. I am not about to be putting this energy in. I do yell at them, but like, I feel like in a very Mexican mother type of way, cause my kids tend to respond to that for some reason. <laughs> um, I think I do remind them of their mom sometimes. And they're like, oh man, I do also have a nice little uh, trick uh, where I learn their middle names. So I'll their full name and they got just the fear in their eyes works better than any dramatic speech so um yeah i did it once and then never again because i was not about to put in the energy which is uh funny enough because then that's i've never had to do it again because anytime i did have any behavioral issues in like a whole class i just kind of gave them the silent treatment and we did a silent class and they hated it yeah so that's kind of my go-to so I don't put in the energy in the dramatic speeches. I take the energy out of the room. That's my uh, game plan for when my kids need it. That's very well stated. And um, are we going to have a Mexican mother teaching strategies? That's oh, a yeah. class that you lesson? do, yeah. Is that part of our curriculum? I'll, um, I'll definitely throw in my Mexican mother tips because sometimes yeah. I, I do be saying things and I'm like, wow, I sounded like my mom. And... Uh, <laughs> I text her and I tell her and she's like, I told you, I told you one day you would understand. And I'm like, I folded your mom. You were right. Yeah, I, I do like the disappointed youth pastor thing. There's no yelling. I sit down in a chair <laughs> and I, I just explain that I'm upset and then I move on. I also will write down what's bothering me and like make a plan to like call parents, but not that day. I'll like write down like call Jess's mom tomorrow. And then by the next day, I'm not like mad anymore. And I just, I let it rest. I did tell a kid to leave the class once, just once, ever once. I said, if you don't want to be here, just go. That's the, that's the craziest, most intense I've ever done. That volume, if you don't want to be here, just go. But uh, the kid didn't go. Uh, so yeah, they yeah. usually tend to uh, back, back down when you tell them that. I feel like the less you care, the more they respond. They're like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, they get confused. Cool. I don't know. I, I'm, like, ready to go to bed. I don't know. Jess, do you want to bring it home for us and we can call it a night here? For sure. So thank you to everyone who tuned in to our awesome Teach for X podcast. We definitely will have more content and more things for you guys. Um, especially stay tuned for our website and our social media channels that are coming soon. Uh, for, for now, if you guys could subscribe to our podcast, you know, for more of this content, if you enjoyed, give us a positive review. And yeah, just let us know what you guys think. Thank you so much. The music is Bossa Antigua by Kevin McLeod. You can find this at incompetech.filmmusic.io using the filmmusic.io standard license.